0: Hi, everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. Whether this is your first time listening or your 20th time, thank you. My prayer is that this podcast will encourage you, whether you are in a mountaintop season or in a valley season. Before we get into today's episode, I did want to ask you just two things. Number one, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it. Share with your friends, share with your neighbors. Share it with anyone that you think might be encouraged by it. And second, please, if you haven't already, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, as this will definitely just ensure that even more people will get to see it and listen to it. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Don't Mind Me podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast and super excited for the second episode of the year. I have one of my pastors joining me today, Jim Thompson. Jim, go ahead and say hi. (laughs)
1: Howdy, everybody. How y'all doing?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you guys how I kind of know Jim so like I said he's one of my pastors uh, but what's interesting is I feel like I've known him off and on before he became one of our teaching pastors you were a youth pastor when my brother was in the youth program at our church um, which is crazy then you were a teacher and now you're back to being one of our teaching pastors at Fellowship Greenville um, but I'd love for you to go ahead and tell everybody just a little bit more about you
1: for sure well I yeah like you said I've uh, this is my 11th or 12th year on staff as a pastor um, I used to be a youth pastor 15 years ago, but um, I also did uh, a tour of duty as a high school Bible and theology teacher at the church that our, or excuse me, at the school that our church founded. And so I've like, I, don't, I only feel, like here's the mind-boggling thing, I only feel like I'm 24, but I've been in the world of our, like, church for 20, this is my 28th year. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really nice to know a lot of people for a long time and them know you Really well, for a long time, so there's a great beauty in that I married. uh, My beautiful wife, Sarah, uh, 17 years ago, and we have 2 babies that they ain't babies. No more Uh, James Walker Thompson. The 5th is in 8th grade. He's 13 and my daughter Anna Jubilee is 10 years old and she's uh, in 4th grade. And yeah, I, um, they're the. They're the greatest, they're the best, so.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I can't believe it's been 12 years. I added like you had just started. <laughs>
1: it's,
0: it, it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, you just can't even calculate it anymore. It's like, how how, how does time even work?
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I do want to say, and Jim, I didn't prepare for this, but I have a funny story. You probably won't even remember this, but one time we were I'm at scared. Publix. I'm scared, by the way. <laughs> well, one time we were at Publix, and I was in the line for Redbox. And somebody had come up behind me and like tapped me on the shoulder. And I've had situations where that was like just not a good thing. So I'm very like on guard. So I turned around with like this scowl on my face. And it was you. You jumped back. You stepped back away from me. And you're like, and I'm so sorry. It's just me, Jim.
1: <laughs> and I, I
0: said, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to the, scowl. The scary you. thing
1: is that I don't remember that. And I should. If I scared somebody and I'm, Ruined
0: their day, I should remember. Uh, I just, you didn't ruin my day. It was just funny. I was so on guard. And then I felt terrible that because it was just you. Like, (laughs) why would I treat my, one of my pastors that way? It just made me laugh. But anyway, well, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jim Jim's book called sing loud and die happy. Now we're also just going to talk about what he talks about in this book. Um, a lot of my friends know this, I I haven't talked a lot about it on the podcast, but singing is something that I love. And it's something that Jim loves as well. Uh, we both, I will say I love to sing really loud. I think Jim does too. I've been to a few events where he's singing and he loves to sing loud. Um, and there's just something beautiful about singing and. You know, I will say for me, it was something that I just loved so much from the time I was a child. But I never really understood why singing was so important and and also how biblical it is to sing, right? To worship God Mm -hmm. Um, until I started to get a little bit older. And then really, Jim did um, a sermon on this about two years ago. It's been two years. It's been about a year and a half at this point. Um, And just a really, really incredible sermon. I was telling him earlier, I actually was crying a lot that day because it was something that it just was the right time and the right sermon. Um, But Jim, I'd love for you just to tell everybody a little bit more, first of all, like why did you feel the need to write a book like this and then maybe give just a brief overview of what
1: it's about? For sure, yeah, I think um, as a pastor, And a follower of Jesus, like, I want to be Bible guy, right? I want to be, I want to understand the scriptures on their own terms. I want to uh, both, like, get the big panorama wide view of what the Bible's about. And I also want to do the deep dives. And I want to, like, scratch every little itch and every nook and cranny of of scripture just to think well about life and about God and about faith and and all these things, specifically as it relates to following Jesus. So, the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm a decently faithful student of scripture, but what are areas that when I, when I look at the broad world of like Christian writing and thinking and publishing and stuff, what's something that people just haven't tapped into? It's like the, uh, the juxtaposition of how much has been written or said about a thing versus how much the Bible says about it. Mm -hmm. And like, the more I've thought about that over the past four or five years, I've been like, man, singing is just daggum everywhere in the Bible. It's everywhere. And like, we don't have a lot of, Books about it. People just do it and they don't talk about the why and the how and the meaningfulness and the like essence of it. And like there's a mystical, unifying, spiritual, fun thing happening <clears throat> when we sing. And the Bible just repeatedly says to do it. And it's everywhere in the Bible, but we have uh, you know, kind of I think tragically neglected an exploration of that stuff. Um, not to our own demise, but I think it's kind of making us uh walk with a limp in some sense if we're trying to walk with Jesus. It's like we're not walking as as uh, you know with as much strength as we could if we understand this this singing thing so i think that's one of the the big things behind it it's like um when i see <clears throat> like this is the first paragraph in the book something like this singing is one of the most repeated commands in the bible it's right up there with don't fear and believe but sometimes you're not sure if you're fearing or believing it could just be i didn't get enough sleep or i had a weird lunch but if singing is one of the most repeated commands in the bible then you you know when you're singing like If you're believing or fearing, like that's this, it can be a subjective or esoteric thing, but, you know, when you're opening your mouth and singing, so you don't have to, like, pray about. Whether or not you're obeying, you're just doing Mm -hmm. the thing. And so I think there is a a happy, holy fun kind of like. Assurance given to the soul when the people of God stand and and sing, sing out um, what is true and what is good, especially about the gospel. So, yeah, that's kind of like my personal. Bible. Journey of getting to the place where I'm like, okay, somebody's gonna have to write a book. And
0: <laughs> Somebody thought, needs to write it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take one for the team. Yeah.
0: I will say, as you were talking, I kind of thought about this. What would you say to people, right? Because I, I love to sing. There are some people who just are like, I'm not a good singer. Uh, nobody wants to hear that I sound, you know, terrible. Which I always tell people, anyone can sing. That's my opinion. Being a singer, I. I think anybody has the ability to sing a joyful noise, but what would you say to people who say, I know it's a commandment in the Bible, but I don't mm. like to sing. I don't feel like anybody else wants to hear that.
1: I'm good. Gonna... Yeah. Um, oh man. Well, first of all, I want to say so many things. First of all, I am <laughs> one of those people. It's like, I remember being in, and I think I tell this story in the book, but it's like, I remember being in Baptist Wednesday night youth choir. And mm-hmm. this, this buddy of mine, after we finished singing a song, he looked over at me and he was like, Hey, man, dude, you're gonna have to turn it down. You just, you, you're you just kind of trash at singing and like, at the time he was my friend. So I was like, Oh, yeah, that's funny. Oh, well, I'll just turn it down when we sing. And so that's me. I don't have. Like, a great voice that's not that's not, I don't think 1 of my most natural giftings, <laughs> um, but I think that's the beauty of the biblical command to sing is that it's a corporate invitation. It's a communal invitation. Um, it's like asking you to share your life and then just say, share your life with a brick wall. It's not real, it doesn't exist. And so the biblical command to sing is a is a communal um, plural, like it's not you singular, it's you plural. So get in the middle of the people of God and let that singing wash over you as well as come forth from you. Um, and so I th- I think there is a, get in a good, you know, get in a good church where, where people are singing with gusto and they're trying to make it count. <laughs> And, you know, as comfortable as you can, just get in there and try to sing. Now, I know other people for medical reasons or whatever. It's just, or they're just going through a really hard season and they can't sing without crying or whatever. Well, then I like the idea of just, like, get in the way of singing. Like, find yourself in the middle of it. Go to an auditorium where you're having corporate worship and just sit smack dab in the middle. And don't sing and let the songs wash over you until you can't help but do it, maybe. but uh. Yeah, I I would say that most people who are hesitant to sing and forgive me because each 1 of these things matter, but most of their excuses aren't uh, (laughs) uh, like, don't weigh as much as they think Um, Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm that guy. I don't I don't have a great voice, but I love like being loud and being dumb and singing. I've heard
0: you sing I like it I think you have a great voice well I've I'll, heard I'll, you say
1: I'll pay you for that compliment later because you're <laughs> yeah you, you must be tone deaf girl
0: oh <laughs> well, the fact oh. I think I think what the difference with you Jim is that you're enjoying every minute of it right yeah. I I'm, think if you we're just really not good. And also like, I hate every moment of being up here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'd have a different perspective on it, but actually, um, whenever in, what are, what's the name of those events again, it's hymns and hops. Yeah. Whenever people talk about that, I always say, Oh yeah. Have you ever been to hymns and hops? Yes, I have. I always say, Oh yeah. You know, that guy up front that always seems really loud. He's one of my pastors, <laughs> Oh man, but nobody ever says that you're not a good singer. I've well, never I, heard like, that.
1: I do like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, when I grew up listening to music, it was like I would go to like uh, these punk rock concerts or these really loud small concerts, like Jesus Rock and Roll, and it would mm-hmm. be like 120 people, and everybody would be yelling, and you know the people on stage don't have great voices, and so it was more about like the community and the joy and the dancing and laughing and having fun, and it was like oh, were we on pitch? Like it didn't matter, right. and so I think there is a, a you set a low bar of expectation of just like hey, just come and sing and have a good time. Um and I I get that at church we need to have some sense of propriety and people hitting notes and leading in those kinds of things. But I love setting a bar of no or low expectations and just going, Hey, just come and sing and like like you know, it doesn't Jesus doesn't love you if you, you're not on key. Like it, it mm-hmm. it's a it's it's an open invitation. I, I think of that I, <clears throat> Isaiah fifty five passage where it says Come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. like come you who have no money and buy bread that satisfies. And to me, it's the, the singing invitation is the same. It's a grace commentary. It's like, come. Oh, you don't play an instrument. Oh, you like, you're even scared to sing in your car and in the shower. Like, cool. Come and sing out and like, just do it. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the openness and welcome. Welcomed welcoming nature of that invitation is a really fun commentary on grace and joy and hope and those things.
0: Yeah, one time actually reminds me, I was at um, a worship concert once, and I was like, this concert is great, the singers are great, etc. But the truth is, is that I was just enjoying the worship aspect of it, I could care less who was on the stage. I mean, I think that that's true worship, right, is when you don't care who's on the stage, doesn't matter if their voice, if their pitch is perfect, like you said. Um, if everything is in tip top shape, it just matters that they are praising God, and you're fully there. It's like it says, worshiping this, um, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Like that sort of worship, I think, is what's so important. And when I was there that one time, I had this thought, you know, how amazing would it be for like a choir of people that are homeless or you know don't have, you know, the ability to get up here and sing, right? Or they just don't have the the right people in their lives, but they love to sing or they need something to do. Um, that's just different from what they're currently doing. They need that opportunity. And how amazing would it be? Because at the end of the day, nobody really cares. They shouldn't care who's leading the worship. I mean, how amazing would it be to have a homeless choir that may not be completely on pitch, but they just love God and are singing. I thought yeah. that was amazing.
1: <laughs> and I think I, I love our version of it. Mm -hmm. We have a redeemed version of it in Jesus name that we can receive it as a gift. um, And we can believe as followers of Jesus and Christians, we can believe that God gave it to us as a gift.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But I came across so much research, just scientifically, like what's happening when you do sing. Um, I found these studies uh, from UC Berkeley that tested the let's see or what is it it tested the um, disease fighting proteins in the mouth and as a choir was doing rehearsal there were a hundred and like 140 percent more disease fight protein disease fighting proteins in the mouth and then because they would sing louder during the performance there was like 240 more disease fighting proteins in the mouth so like your body's actually healing itself when you sing and that was specifically when you're singing with other people because your breathing becomes the same as them and like your hearts get on the same, your hearts start to beat together. And so like, it it is one of the more uh, healthy things that you can do is sing with the same people over and over again. I I found this uh, scholar, I think she teaches at NYU, maybe her name's Jeanette Bicknell and she wrote this book called A Philosophy of Singing. And she says, um, it is one of the most uh, socially building, things you can do is to sing with the same people over and over and over again because it it creates such a unique bond and that's before we even get to like the redeemed version of it you know and Mm -hmm. this is you know choir family (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. just scientifically what it does you have to stand back and go wow god's there he's doing something there's such beauty and intimacy uh to 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 what what happens when we sing and so yeah i love i love the idea of the Christian redeemed version of that. I think is really beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. And I will say you talk about this in the book, but one of my favorite parts, well, I'm going to take a step back for a second. So you talk a lot about the Psalms. The Psalms are like the song book of scripture, essentially. And so one thing that you said in there is that every morning part of your routine is to Mm -hmm. read a Psalm. And that just really stood out to me. It was something where I went, wait a minute, I probably need to do that as well. Uh, it's something that I've definitely read the Psalms, but every morning, right, making that part of my daily routine. Can you just tell me a little bit more about, you know, that daily routine about the Psalms mm-hmm. and how that has really shaped you going in every day?
1: For sure. Oh man, I love this question. Um, <clears throat> I think one on a really practical level uh it's like the psalms are uh less contextual than other parts of scripture. So I read Psalm 136 this morning in my quiet time. Um it doesn't have like crazy too much to do with Psalm 135 or mm-hmm. and it has a little bit less to do with Psalm 137, but it, it's like I can just sit before this single you know portion of scripture. Whereas you know if I'm reading in you know Isaiah I'm gonna need to know the flow of thought and the context and the poetry and all stuff psalms to me it's just like it's a simple starting point it's like a bite-sized scripture a little appetizer to start your day kind of thing um so that's one reason is it's an easy level easy uh entry level kind of point for me for my brain and my heart as my day gets going on another level uh, psalms and Isaiah are the two most repeated portions of or the two most repeated books from the old testament in the new testament so i think psalms uh really is People started to pray and think in Psalms during Jesus's day, and so like that's going to let me enter into the like worldview and mindset of, of, of the first century um, Jews and first century followers of Jesus. And then further still, I, I love the emotional breadth that's covered in the Psalms. I think people today we get so um, we're so led by what we feel and we're so led by our emotions, and like we are just wooed to death by sentimentality, and we think the last thing that we felt strongly is the point, which is just a mountain of stupid and such a lie. Uh, And so the Psalms are people emoting and then taking those emotions out of their chest and putting them before God and going, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm really angry today, but I still trust you. Or God, I'm really grateful today and I still trust you. I'm really confused today and I still trust you. I'm really needy today and I still trust you. And so I love, love, love the the emotive nature of the Psalms because we're all emotional beings. We're all emotional creatures. But I think, you know, just kind of the modern cutesy surface level cultural narrative is that, hey, whatever your emotional thing is, like, just run with that. Like, do trust your heart do what you feel like that kind of nonsense. And so I think the Psalms have a way of centering us and grounding us before the Lord. Not that our emotions don't matter, it's that they should serve our faith in God and they should sh- serve us following Jesus rather than be mm. the thing that detracts from that. So for, for me, like my, usually my um, Bible reading every morning is I start with a Psalm and then I'll read whatever book I'm reading in the Old Testament I'm reading Isaiah right now, I read a chapter out of Old Testament, a chapter out of New Testament, but there are days when life's crazy and I'll only get to the Psalm. And so there, it, it's like this anchor point for me personally um yeah so I, I i love that and i've I've loved seeing a lot of other followers of jesus through church history who have done something similar and i don't remember when i started or like when i was like no i need to do this but it for my soul for me personally it's been such a rich and healthy thing so
0: mm-hmm. and i love what you said about emotions and and things like that i talk about that a lot on the podcast but actually was Just made me think of a text I sent to a friend the other day that the closer that I get to Jesus and the more that I, you know, I grow in my faith and things like that, the more I learn, I have to let go (laughs) of so many things. Uh, We were actually talking about it in the context of, she said, it's just so hard for me because I want other people to want to grow and it's like, they're okay staying stagnant sometimes in their Mm. relationship with christ and they don't want to really go deeper and get to know him more and study his word and that bothers me which you know we could argue about that but it's like it it bothered her and i said yeah it's it is hard you have to learn to let go and let god take control in those situations
1: yeah and you can't you can't let um a frustrating thing uh overcome you to the point where you lose rationality and sensibility and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I've got a middle schooler and a ten year old and so we talk all the time about like, yo, self control. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. so scary because when I say it to them, I'm like, dang it, this is for me too. Like I I need this. And and so I I, I think for me personally the Psalms really um do a beautiful job in my own life of just kind of keeping me chill, keeping me still uh before yeah. the Lord.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think about the circumstances under which many of the songs are written, too, you definitely start to think, OK, you know, they went through <laughs> just as difficult situations. It's not yeah. even more difficult yeah, even than more what different. I've ever been through. Yeah, way worse. But, you know, but still, in some respects, I always try to be like, let's not uh, necessarily compare situations here. But what David was going through a lot of times was much worse than anything I've ever faced. So for sure, you can then, look at that and.
1: And then to know, I mean, it's Mm 1 thing, so let's like, step it up to the next level and bring it back to singing. Uh. It's 1 thing to categorically know, okay, I can't let my emotions. Be the thing that, like, rule my day and I have to, like, be honest about those emotional things and also take them to God and go, I don't want to, but I still trust you when I'm angry. But. Those are prayers that, like, we pray in quiet, like, (laughs) like, when we're driving home from work, but. The Psalms are those realities have risen to the level of melody and poetry. <laughs> that's the mm-hmm. mind blowing thing is they've taken that level of intense covenant emotionality and they've married it to corporate melody and to corporate prayer and song. And to me, that's like the, the, the redemptive vulnerability. That's like the, the sweet spot
0: Um messing
1: mm-hmm. those things together. And I like, I, I don't want to be like, tribe, but like anybody can if you if you follow Jesus long enough that's a good normal healthy thing to do on your own but getting to the place where you do that with other people man that is that's the sweet spot so mm-hmm. yeah i love it go slow and i
0: was actually when well, you mentioned the thing about the um in a choir, how your heartbeats synchronize. I'd mm-hmm. actually underline that one. I thought that was amazing. Can you talk a little bit more about the community of believers when it comes to singing? Because I would say that I've definitely agreed with that as well. I think one thing was, you know, entering into my twenties, and you do a lot of work with the twenties because you love to work with our interns at Fellowship. It can be hard to make friends for sure, uh, because. But then you realize everybody else is in the same boat. They all need to make friends. Then you start to realize that it's a little bit better from there. But one thing I noticed was that when I actually worshiped with people, Mm. it stuck. Um, Those were the people that ended up, we had this connection. We wanted to spend more time together. I always found, now that you've said that, I was thinking about as we were talking, it seems like when I worship with others, that really does make a huge difference. So how have you seen that? In your own life, you know worshiping with others and things like that, and how it's built up community
1: it's really, really good I love that um, I think I mean this is what i I do this at the end of the book, and I know this might be a little i don't want to say passe but i in my last chapter, I, I have a section called like change your mind about singing and it's basically like start to think mm. of singing as a weapon start to think of singing as a sacrament start to think of singing as a spiritual discipline. <clears throat> and 1 of them is start to think about singing like, you should think about sex. And what I mean by that is in a marriage mm. sex is not all that there is. <clears throat> However, it is intended to be mm. um, so intimate that it has a way of encapsulating. All that is and so singing and with sex, it's supposed to be like mutuality, regularity, uh, enjoyment, delight, like all the things that we can, you know, can have a fun conversation with all that. But the point is, it's the same with singing. Like, you're supposed to regularly sing within the covenant and that creates a kind of intimacy that somehow beyond our sensibilities, somehow mystically, theologically, spiritually, somehow has a way of encapsulating all the stuff. Like, dude, when you're singing, like when you're thundering out gospel, like, uh, you have no rival, like when you're singing something like that, or when you're singing "It Is well with my soul and you're singing it with brothers and sisters in Christ. It has a way of reframing all of your pains and all of your annoyances and all of your stuff and it puts them in a smaller frame to where they don't have control over your heart anymore. And you're not ruled by fear anymore and the people with whom you sing it binds you to them. There's heightened intimacy. Um. As a result of singing together with people, and so I have seen that in my own life. I mean, 1 of the things I love to do with our, you mentioned our summer interns. Is at least once a week we try to maybe more, we go get in a stairwell back at church and do the stairwell. Is just so loud and echoey. And so we sing together in a stairwell and I have found, and I have. There's no doubt in my mind that those times. Have increased honest honesty, connection, intimacy, vulnerability confession time joy and just shared life within those groups of interns and i just believe that's one of god's gifts to bind his people together um in this uh i believe it's the philosophy of singing both by jeanette dicknell she's trying to encourage like hey the more you can regularly sing with the same people like there's almost no better way to build social bonds and she tries to list some examples and they're only really two and one of them's like singing karaoke at the bar every weekend and there's a couple (laughs) problems with that one uh you might not sing with the same people every weekend two you know Uh sometimes that includes uh too too much of other things and and then (laughs) she's like but also church and so i think you get down to the place where you have to say the Church of Jesus Christ and weekly corporate worship together as God's covenant people is the only place in the world where you can normally and regularly and freely sing with the same people again and again and again. It just can't happen anywhere else unless you break your back and you try to make it happen, which, again, Mm. that's tough, but the church doors are always open every week. And so I just, there's such a a beauty to that, to me, Mm. that I think Christians, like, it's one thing to do a thing, but to do a thing and know what's happening when you're doing it, I think, is even more worshipful and more meaningful. Yep. And
0: like I mentioned earlier, I think one thing that a lot of Bible studies I've been in and and things like that have missed is that they didn't do a worship aspect before mm. or after or sometime in the middle. The ones that did, like I said, it it stuck. There was some sort of like relational bond that we had with one mm. another through that but the ones that didn't and nothing is wrong obviously with just focusing on the Word of God but yeah. when we had a worshipful aspect to it in the beginning those bonds were formed
1: it's almost much like, more
0: quickly it's very different
1: it's almost like 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 melody oh no I should add this to my last chapter it's almost like a uh, corporate melody <laughs> becomes this adhesive for your yeah. heart soul mind strength. So, like, dude, I'm Bible nerd. I'm, I am I'm want to do, like, Bible theology stuff all day long, all day strong. But corporate melody, covenant melody as God's people, has a way of those things, like, sticking to your soul, sticking to your mind a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it is a kind of, like, a spiritual adhesive, if you will. And now mm-hmm. you're going to make me rewrite my last chapter, so thank you. <laughs>
0: Hey, I'm all here for the ideas. You can do a revised version, oh, yeah, revised version
1: just, two. I'll put you in as co-writer on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, well, I do want to ask you. I have two more questions, but the first one is just going to be: Where can people find your book?
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, it's a little mom and pop store online called Amazon. You can <laughs> go. Uh, you can always go search it there. It's just called Sing Loud, Die Happy. An exploration of how God's gift of song is meant to change us. Um, I did get to publish with a really cool publishing company out West in Oregon called whip and stock W. I. P. F. Whip and stock. And I oh. think they have a thing where if you sign up for their newsletter, you can probably unsubscribe later. Uh, <laughs> I think you get <laughs> 20 or maybe even 40% off. Um, I don't think that was a holiday offer, but you can go to the. Thing, if you want to stick at the Jeff Bezos. Cool. Whipfamstock.com. And and <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> well, uh, and I do have one thing to say. This book is really fantastic. Like mm-hmm. for of all, you know, I don't, I don't think you have to like singing to enjoy the book. I really loved it. One thing for me, I will say, knowing you, I was reading it in your voice, so it made it even oh. better and funnier in a lot of ways, just because That's scary. we hear you preach all the time. <laughs> We just hear you talk all the time. So I was like, Jim definitely wrote this book. I have no doubt in my mind, but really, really good book. Um, really theologically sound, just the things that you say in this book. Some of it is over my head. I'm probably going to have to read it a few times, but very, very good. Um, all right.
1: Not too much, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not too much. Not too much. All right. Well, I will say the last thing I always like to ask people is what their favorite verses. is. And I know that might be a hard question. For you to answer because I know you love the word, but I'm curious to know if you have a one or maybe just two favorite verses.
1: Um, uh, this is one I keep going back to. I don't know if it's like favorite verse or life verse, but Paul is saying goodbye to he 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 hung out with him and he lived with him for three years. And um, it's almost like the scene in in Lord of the Rings where they take Frodo to Rivendell and they, they send him away in the boat. Like he's he's getting ready to get on this boat and he's never gonna see him again. And he's like, Holy Spirit already told me I'm going to go to Jerusalem and like, I'm going to have to suffer all these things. So the context of the verse is really beautiful, too, because he's been pouring his life out for three years with these Ephesian pastors. And he turns to them and he says, um, I consider my life worth nothing to me unless I finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like this little purpose statement over Paul's life. But he's not saying that to be like, hey, it should be yours too. He's saying that to be like, dude, I've been doing this for 3 years. I've been pouring out my soul. And he also says, I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole. I didn't shrink from dec- uh, from declaring to you the whole counsel of God's word. Um, and so I just love that idea from Paul and 20, 2024 of my life. Is worth nothing to me unless I finish this thing Jesus gave me and that's to testify to the gospel of grace. Um, so, because it's a pretty centralizing stabilizing, like uh kind of kind of reality that if we're running our mouth on anything and it's not the gospel like we're wasting your time kind of deal. Um uh, convicting. So, yeah. yeah well Paul, <laughs> convicting. Paul's words there are yeah they, those words haunt me regularly. So
0: mm-hmm. that's a good one. Well thank you so much. I appreciate you being on.
1: Yeah hey such a <laughs> blast.
0: All right. Well thanks guys and tune in next week.